Addiction is a podcast which explores the disease of food addiction and presents the solution. We interview professionals and counselors who specialize in the disease of food addiction, and we interview individuals who have successfully recovered from food addiction and discuss how they did it. Esther Helga Goodmans-Dotier was motivated to change careers after she recovered from food addiction by opening a food addiction treatment center and the INFACT School, the world's first and only sugar and food addiction counseling training, which offers a recognized certification. Check out the website for more information on obtaining this certification, as well as proven recovery programs at infactschool.com. Listen to these episodes as we discuss the problem and the solution around food addiction. I'm Susan Branscom, a recovered food addict and the host of this podcast, which is sponsored by the Infact School. Today, we are hosting a professional in the treatment of food addiction, Teresa Wright. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Going to introduce you, Teresa, and we'll begin with some questions for you. Okay. Good. Teresa Wright is the founder and director of Renaissance Nutrition Center, Incorporated, near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Under her direction, Renaissance was developed to provide programs and services to help people develop the skills, tools, and lifestyle changes that lead to freedom from destructive food behaviors. As a nutrition therapist, registered and licensed dietitian and nutritionist, Teresa has worked with people struggling with compulsive eating, obesity, eating disorders, weight loss, and food addiction, and has helped them deal sanely and effectively with their food, eating, and body weight issues for more than 36 years. She has a bachelor's and master's degrees in nutrition from Drexel University. She serves on the Food Addiction Institute board, and I have the privilege of serving with her. Her published works include a contribution to Food and Addiction, a comprehensive handbook written by Kelly Brownell and Mark Gold, for which she authored a chapter and a three-part cookbook series titled Delicious Recovery and Your Personal Food Plan Guide. So welcome again, Teresa. Thank you. Well, first of all, tell us tell us a little about what uh, you do, what you've done with Renaissance Nutrition Center and the work you have done and you do now there. I started very much by accident. Um, and what I do now is I counsel people um, who are having problems with food, eating, and body weight. And I see people in individual sessions and in small groups. And I have a free group on Wednesday nights. And I teach people how to change their relationship with food so that when we transform your relationship with food you can then go on and build the kind of life you really want Mm. yeah that's wonderful well Teresa, tell me why you decided to get into the study of nutrition i was raised in a little town in the coal mining region of upstate pennsylvania um i came to drexel in 1964 And I wanted to be an electrical engineer, but daddy told me that girls couldn't be electrical engineers. So I picked the part of home economics that had the most science, and that was nutrition. And in my first nutrition class, I was in this huge auditorium with a lot of people. And I remember myself stopping the instructor and saying, stop, stop, wait a minute. Is that what you're telling me? Are you telling me? 
that the chicken I ate for dinner last night is going to become my heart or lungs, my liver or my eyeballs? And he said, yes, dear, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And since then, I have been totally fascinated with the way the body digests and absorbs and metabolizes food and repairs and replaces and maintains itself by the food we eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's my fascination. Yeah, it is interesting when you think about it that way, that uh, the food we ingest that we take in is really building cells. It's building, like you say, our eyeballs, our, our, our skin, everything. And if we ingest, mm -hmm. you know, processed foods or things our body doesn't need, uh, sugar, for example, uh, it's not going to be as good as, as other things. We're going to get into some of that here. Um, you do not identify as a food addict. Um, so why did you decide to get into this particular side of uh, treatment? Very much by accident. I was teaching weight loss courses at the University of Pennsylvania, and about half the people did very well, and about the other half of the people just fell apart. And I was driving home from work one day, and I said to the God of my understanding, mm -hmm. I know you have plenty of big things to do in the world, but these people hurt and suffer, and would you help me? Would you show me how to do this? And about a week later, I met a woman who worked at the University of Pennsylvania, but had been to a rehab named Glen Bay. Mm. And she needed her food plan changed because her work hours had changed. And I changed her food plan. And in the process of our discussion, she discovered that I knew something about 12-step programs. And so she sent me to her therapist. And her therapist was named Sid Feynman. And she sat down with me and asked me to tell her what I did with my clients. And I told her, and I'll never forget. She said, I see that you're very good with this, Teresa, but I need to share with you that I'm missing, you're missing something. And I said, what am I missing? And she told me what I was missing. And she told me what food addiction was. And in that moment, in my heart of hearts, I knew that this was what God was sending me to do and what I was supposed to work on. And I asked her, what would I have to do for you to teach me? And she said, we'll make arrangements. And we did. And she taught me. And eventually I had an office across the hall from her. And I would see her client. And then she would see her client. And then she would come across the hall and she would tell me what I did right and wrong. <laughs> and I learned quickly. And I was teaching a metafast class. And I... Metafast is 500 calorie liquid that you drink, uh, 500 calories a day. It's no longer being manufactured. This was in the 70s. And it's 500 calories a day, and people lost weight very quickly. About half the group loved it and wanted to stay on it. And about half the group hated it and was determined never to use it again. And 70% of the calories in Metafast comes from sugar. So I knew. And I started to work with the people who love Metafast and teach them about food addiction and sugar addiction and how to eat differently 
and it worked. And I knew then that this was real, that this was a physical disorder, and that people are physically sensitive. The body responds differently to sugar than other people's bodies. And treating them is the most important thing we do. So let me make sure I understand. Um, you uh, grew up in your family. Uh, there was alcoholism. And uh, you worked a 12-step program. Um, so talk about, talk about that. And then we'll get into how that has manifested itself in your food addiction recovery work. I met a bunch of little old men who got sober before God did. <laughs> and they taught me how to live a decent life. They taught me about spirituality and powerlessness and turning things over and how to get effective support. And they taught me that I could create the kind of life I really wanted if I chose it. And they taught me to be gentle with myself and other people. The word gentle has been so important to me in my life. I work very hard at staying gentle in all I do. Mm. And it works for me. Yeah. So you, uh, you grew up with alcoholism in your family, although you don't identify as an alcoholic. You went to 12-step recovery, uh, those meetings, and you learned a lot about the disease of, of alcoholism, it sounds like. And, uh, and eventually there was a program created for, for family members of alcoholics mm -hmm. and for People with codependency, right. you know, my right. value as a woman depends on whether you like me or not. Yes. That's yes. codependency. Yes. I needed yes. help with that. Yeah. I still do. Yeah, yeah, a lot of us do, including me, but we learn. We learn in uh, our recovery programs. So um, you uh, realized, it's interesting, you, it's interesting, your background, because you've learned nutrition, you've learned kind of the, the metafast, not a good way to eat the 500 calories a day and uh, you've learned nutrition and how important it is. And then you saw the disease of food addiction. Um, and, and, and it sounds like you applied what you learned in 12 step recovery around alcohol to treating food addiction with your clients, right? Yes. 60 to 80% of Americans are overweight and obese. Obesity is the symptom, the cause, or the result of something else. Mm -hmm. And we have to figure out what that something else is. And one of the things that has happened in America is that we have so many more processed and man-made foods easily available, cheaply available, available everywhere, that we don't eat whole food or real food enough. Right. So a lot of my teaching is teaching clients how to read food labels and how to find whole foods and real foods and how to get rid of the foods with the artificial products in them that keep them stuck mm -hmm. in the food abuse space mm -hmm. that keep them eating more and more food than they than the body needs that keeps them eating food that doesn't have the nutrients that their body needs. Right. And so right. it keeps them feeling sick mm -hmm. and weak. Think about this. 67% of your brain is made from fat. Wow. 
Didn't know that. Have you noticed how we say cut out all the fat when you eat? Well, in the 80s, that was the diet that I followed, low fat. And and our bot, we, uh, fat doesn't make us fat uh, unless it's combined with carbs. And I won't get into that. But we need fat. We need fat for cell production. Our brain needs fat. Uh, it's olive yes. oil, avocado. It's all healthy. I, I, um, when I shop, I walk around the perimeter of the grocery store. That's where the healthy foods are, uh, and you know yes. that. And I don't go in the middle. I really don't. You have said that eighty-five percent of the foods in the grocery store are man-made, and if it was made by God, if you believe that God made animals. Uh, if if it was made by God, eat it. If it was made by man, don't eat it. Which is a great a great practice. If it didn't exist before man built a factory in which to make it, it's not real food. No, and and don't eat it. Your body doesn't want it. So when I when I shop, I go around produce, uh, meats, you know, dairy, eggs, all of that. And I hardly ever go in the middle of the store. But um, and. Another thing you you say is that there are 200 names for sugar out there that uh, we do have to read labels, and it's disguised, uh, being called so many other things. And we know that sugar is not a food; it's an additive. And as long as the FDA looks at it as a food and not an additive, it won't be regulated. That's right. Yeah. Sugar on the cane. The cane is four feet high, and kids used to chew on the sugar cane. And it was a really good source of iron and B vitamins and fiber. And now we refine it and centrifuge it and make it into this pretty white powder. Yeah. Yeah. You're, that doesn't yeah, do good things for our body. Right. Your website is called sanefood.com. And uh, you created uh, the website Sane Food Solution. Uh, talk about sanity and insanity around food. When my client, drops her children off at school, having fed them a good breakfast. And she goes to a fast food restaurant and orders a burger and fries and a big soda, or maybe worse, a diet soda. And she drinks all of that and eats all of that. And then she goes home and she feels tired, so she takes a nap. And then she wakes up and she does some stuff and maybe she orders in or goes out for lunch with a friend and they go to a different fast food restaurant. And then she goes to pick up her kids. By that point, she's not feeling well. She has a headache. Maybe she's tired. Maybe she's nauseated. She's not feeling well. Mm -hmm. And this is her most precious time with her children. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. insanity. Yeah, it is insanity. That's yeah, it not is the insanity. way we want to live our lives. Right. And when we eat, when we finish our supper and we start eating other things, then maybe we start with popcorn and then we go on to donuts or, or ice cream or, or some other fake man-made uh, drug food. And we eat until we're stuffed and sick. And then we go to bed. The body spends the night clearing out all that muck, and it doesn't have the time to repair and replace the brain cells. Mm. So when you wake up in the morning, you're foggy-headed, and you don't feel good, and you're nauseated, and what are you going to eat for breakfast? Yeah. 
Yeah. We're going to talk about the disease and then we're going to talk about a good food plan um, that you would, you know, you would recommend, but talk about this disease. What, uh, what do you see with your clients in terms of denial? Uh, how does denial manifest itself in food addiction? One of the programs I work with says that acceptance is not approval mm. and powerlessness is not helplessness. And so when I look at people who struggle with this, most of my clients come to me after 20 years of fighting with every diet in the earth and they fight with the food and they try these diets and they pay lots of money for these diets. And what do they win? You know, there's one of the weight loss plans that has a men's diet, which is burgers and fries. <laughs> and they're processed and man-made to be low in calories. So men go into that program and they eat burgers and fries and they lose weight. And when they're done in that program, they come back to real life and they eat regular burgers and fries and they gain the weight right back. Sure. We have to teach people to listen to the body and we have to teach people to eat food that nourishes the body well. And we have to teach people to pay attention to what the body needs mm -hmm. because the purpose of the body is to serve the mind. The purpose of the body is to keep you healthy and well and able to do whatever it is you want to do in your life. And so I have to give the body the nutrients it needs to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. We're going to talk about how you come up with a good food plan uh, for your clients, but talk a moment about uh, withdrawal from our foods. Uh, I know that when I I got abstinent and I did the drive through I did the donuts, I did all of that. And at 57 years old, I weighed 203 pounds. I'm now 70 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> it took me a while to get in here. Uh, but I was, I recovered from alcoholism and um, got sober and then began using food and sugar in a big way. So um, in, at 57 years old, I even said the denial was that I didn't think I was still, I still did not think I was that bad, you know, to get, to get into a recovery program. Now I know I, I, I need to, and the powerlessness is not helplessness. Um, but I did have to withdraw from my foods. I had to withdraw from the volume addiction. I had to withdraw from the sugar, uh, uh, you know, sometimes flour with people. Talk about the withdrawal, the irritability, and the brain fog when people, before they start eating the way you tell them they need to eat, what it, what they can expect. <laughs> well, you know, I've done a lot of careful study of my clients, and I'm actually um, applying to do a research project with Drexel University on the fact that withdrawal exists as a physical response to taking all the drug foods out of your food land. Um, in the beginning, in the first three or four days, people have headaches and diarrhea alternating with constipation, and they have strong cravings, and they're hungry all the time. And along about the end of the first week, people have anxiety 
and irritability and mood swings, and they feel like they can't live their life this way. And then along about two weeks, I hear from my clients that my whole body aches. Do you think I have fibromyalgia? No, I don't think you have fibromyalgia. I think you're in withdrawal. Mm. And they're tired and they're nauseated and the food cravings are awful. Yes. And later on, they have fuzz brain. They just feel like their brain is foggy. And that's because the body is replacing the brain cells and fixing the brain cells and reconnecting them. And so they can't think quite clearly for a while. And then suddenly, their mind is clear as a bell and they know what they need to do and they're off. And then they have the fuzz brain again. It comes back. Mm -hmm. And then they know what they need to do and they move. And then they become furious. I have had people threaten to divorce their spouses on the 19th day of <laughs> abstinence. There is this rage that comes out of nowhere and beats you up and makes you feel like you can't stand yourself and you can't stand anyone else. Yeah. After that, the fatigue, like I'm walking up a hill knee-deep in peanut butter is mm. what my clients ah. say. I'm so tired and my brain is fuzzy and I just tell them to go to bed, mm. take a nap, drink mm. extra fluid, wash this stuff out of your body. The Somehow food addicts don't drink enough water. You need half your body weight in ounces of water. You've got to wash that stuff out of your body mm -hmm. because if you don't, the kidneys send it to the liver where it's recycled into fat cells. So you have to focus on drinking enough water in that first month. And then people get con chest congestion and coughing. They think it's COVID, and it could be at this point in life. But sometimes it's the body replacing lung tissue. Mm -hmm. And the extra lung stuff is coming up, and they have fatigue. It, uh, it sounds like a kind of a hell on earth to, to anyone out there that wants to <laughs> withdraw. You do That's come out. I don't want to do this study because I want to prove it. Yeah. In a couple of ways, at 30 days, it tends to diminish. Yeah. Everything yeah. goes away except the emotional cravings. Um, and if I can demonstrate that, you know, that will prove that food addiction is a real live mm -hmm. physical disease because tolerance cravings and withdrawal are the hallmarks of addiction mm -hmm. and so i see this in my clients this is what convinced me that food addiction was a physical disorder we have these withdrawal symptoms you can't have withdrawal if you don't have a physical change in the body right you know, it is it is withdrawal. It does get better. I mean, for anyone thinking about doing this, um, it does get better, and it's worth it's worth every bit of it. But you know, we have to make sure that um, you know. I had to learn when I got re when I became recovered from food addiction. If I got hungry, was it physical hunger, or was it 
kind of emotional response to something going on in my life that I was going to food. I had that was the first year of my recovery that I had to really discern is this physical hunger or is it an emotional response to something, right? Because it's an old habit. Those first 40 days, you have to keep yourself safe. Mm -hmm. You have to get good support. You have to get people who listen to you while you cry. You have to get your addictive foods removed from your presence. Mm -hmm. And you have to give yourself the time and the space to, to live in that and feel it and go through it. Right. And when it's done, it's done. And I have clients who tell me I never want to go through a withdrawal again. And I don't blame them, but that keeps them out of the addictive food. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that, but I want to, I want to talk about the, the good work you do around developing a food plan for someone. Say you've got a client coming to you, they're addicted to sugar, flour, uh, volume eating, and they weigh 250 pounds. I'm sure this is maybe a typical client for you. What, uh, what kind of food plan do you develop? Do you, do you say, here's how much you should weigh? Here, I'm going to design this food plan. What, what does it look like? The very first therapist I ever worked with was very wise. And he said it was easy to be a therapist. Shut up and listen to the client. <laughs> and when the client says the right answer, say, yes, that. And I've adopted that in my counseling. I listen to the client. I let her tell me all about her addiction. And I let her tell me all about my, her life. And then I get out my calculator and I calculate things. I calculate the number of calories she needs to maintain her current body weight. And we discuss what she wants to get to, what weight she wants to get to. And I calculate that number of calories so I know where I'm going. I know where she is, and I know where I'm going. And I calculate the number of grams of fat that she needs because I want her to be able to think clearly. Mm -hmm. And if you have enough fat, your skin gets dry, your hair falls out, your nails get brittle, and you don't have any energy. I want you to have enough fat. Right. And I've discovered, I believe, there's not a hell of a lot of proof to this, my clients get extra protein. Mm -hmm. I think you need extra protein. Yeah. I yeah. don't want you to eat any sugar food, any carbohydrate food, fruit, for instance. Don't eat fruit all by itself. Put some protein with it. Yes. It yes. slows down the absorption of the sugar in the fruit. And so you don't feel that um, in the, in the food, it, there's a, it's a, it's like a, like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. The sugar is absorbed quickly. The body makes insulin. The sugar comes down. When the sugar comes down, you feel hungry. You eat something else. The blood sugar goes up. The body makes insulin. The sugar comes down. Yes. Eat the fruit with a couple of ounces of protein, mm -hmm. and it's absorbed more slowly, and your blood sugar stays mm -hmm. the same, and that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's peaceful. Yeah, that's what my uh, nutritionist has prescribed for my food plan, that I have fruit um, twice a day, and it's always with a protein, always with a protein. Uh, so I can have fruit, uh, but I have a lot of fat in my diet, and I have a lot of protein, and I'm at my maintenance weight. I have been for six years, so it's working. When I figured out all those numbers, I sit down with the person's regular food plan. Mm -hmm. What do you usually eat? And I set up a food plan that matches their lifestyle mm. 
and their food preferences yeah. to work for them. If this is a nurse who works from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., her food plan is going to be totally different from a mom who stays home with her kids. Mm -hmm. Do you look at uh, what she may trigger her, the, the trigger, like the, the go-to foods, uh, the binge foods? Um, you look at all that and you take those out, I assume. And then the weight she comes up with, do you make sure that it's not too low or too high based on her height, etc.? Yes, I negotiate it with her. Okay, good. <laughs> I had a client come to me with 463 pounds. Oh. This was a six foot four African American male. And he had to get down to 250 pounds to get a kidney transplant. But my first goal was to get him down to 300 and something. And when we got to 300 and something, then we changed his food plan to get him down to 200 and something. Okay. And we got him down to 263 pounds, but the kidney doctor said 260. Well, I kept him at 263 pounds for six months, and then I got pissed. <laughs> and I called the kidney dietitian because I worked with the kidney dietitian. Every time I saw him, I saw the kidney dietitian. And every time I saw him, were practically so, I heard from the medical doctor and the psychiatrist. And so... I called the three of them and the medical doctor and the, and the psychiatrist and the other renal dietitian and I, we all wrote letters to the kidney doctor saying, is three pounds that critical? Mm -hmm. Can we make it at 263? Yeah. And I got this phone call from the kidney doctor that said, we're scheduling him. Okay, good. That's a great story. You have a great blog, Teresa, and uh, I didn't read all the many entries, but there are some great ones in there. And I want to quote a couple of things you said in here and have you talk about them. Um, you say, my clients get to their normal weights and stay there. No more bouncing up and down by 20 pounds without knowing why. No more fear of the scale. No more slacks that do not zip. No more blame, guilt, or sorrow. No more shame and self-hatred. My clients know just how to handle the situations in their lives without losing control of the food. Together, we manage pregnancies, job changes, marriages, divorces. My clients have traveled as far as Florida, Italy, Australia without difficulty. This is a powerful statement, and it's, it's really my life, too, right now uh, in recovery. So how do you do that? Carefully. <laughs> yeah. Proper prior planning and practice. Mm-hmm. We set up travel. We set up the food for the travel. Um, we set up the food for where they're going to be. They, they find out what the food is there, where they're going to be. And we set up um, extra foods they take with them in case they need it. Mm -hmm. And we set up directives. You say to the waiter, I am violently allergic to this, this, and this. Could you please keep them out of my food? Right. And the waiter is always helpful, especially if I put a $5 bill in his hand. <laughs> Do you recommend your clients weigh and measure their food or not necessarily? I recommend the clients control their portions. Okay. How do they do that? In the beginning, weighing and measuring really helps mm -hmm. because in the beginning, people feel they need this enormous 
amount of food that fills the room. Oh, yeah. And their diets have been these tiny little itty bitty amounts of food. Yeah. Well, if I can get them to look at this much food, when they're done, they're full. Mm -hmm. I want my clients to be hungry for 10 minutes before the meal and satisfied afterwards. Yeah. And I'm going to change the food plan and fix it until I get it that way. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what has happened in my food plan, that I'm hungry before lunch, I'm hungry for before dinner, but I'm, I'm full, I'm satisfied. And my body is uh, taking in exactly what it needs to eat uh, to be healthy and be at a good weight for me. Um, but talk about recovery. Uh, another thing you say is abstinence. We're talking about abstinence from overeating sugar, uh, trigger foods means you stop hurting your body, your mind, spirit with your food behaviors and you begin, you begin to create the life you always wanted. So talk about recovery and how it plays a role in your treatment. When you're 50 or 75 or 100 pounds overweight, all you have time to do is look for another diet and deal with your life and deal with the absolute essentials of your life. When my clients are deep in withdrawal, I ask them to tell me what kind of life they really want. Because if you aim at nothing, you will surely hit it. Mm -hmm. And I ask my clients to look at what they want in their lives. And I ask them to get to work as soon as the worst of the withdrawal is over on creating the life they want. And that could mean spirituality, it could mean religion, it could mean prayer and meditation, but it really means contact with your own inner core of wisdom. Who are you really and who do you want to become? Mm. And it means support. It means other people who believe in me, who stand by me, who back me up when I need the help, who give me suggestions when I'm in a situation that I don't know how to handle. Um, it means, for my clients, it means I'm going to my mother-in-law's for dinner. I'm having a snack at 4 o'clock on my way to my mother-in-law's because she says dinner is at 5 o'clock and it's usually at 6.30. I'm having a snack and I'm bringing... Um, this big vegetable tray because my mother-in-law never makes vegetables. And so I'm bringing enough vegetables to share with the people who are there and enough vegetables that I have enough. And then I'm going to have the dinner that if my mother-in-law has prepared a dinner that I can eat, I'll eat it. And if it does, if she doesn't, I'll bring my own mm -hmm. and I'll sit at the table and I'll eat with everybody. And as soon as I'm done my food, I'm going to go into the kitchen and start cleaning up. And I'm going to help my mother-in-law set out the desserts that she puts on the table. And while she puts the desserts on the table, I'm going to cut up this bowl of fresh fruit. And I'm going to get that on the table too. And I'm going to get all the unnecessary dishes off the table. And I'm going to sit down and enjoy my fruit. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think what you're talking about, partly, at least for me, was a 12-step recovery program. Having the support of others that that, ha that share my food addiction and uh, prayer, meditation, uh, writing, um, all of that. And I call someone at the end of this and say, guess what? I made it. <laughs> we didn't eat any of the chocolate uh, right. marble cake. Right. 
well, neutrality. Once you get through the cravings of uh, and the withdrawal and you start eating the way you're supposed to, it's beautiful, wonderful food. I love it. I don't think about my weight. I don't think about my food any longer, how much I'm going to eat because I know how much my body needs now. And that's what I eat. So <laughs> as we kind of close out here, a um, couple of uh, questions for you. Um, you had <laughs> recommended in one of your blogs the therapeutic practice of screaming, which uh, there is a chemical <laughs> reaction. I couldn't help but ask you about this because I go to my, my grandson's uh, baseball games and there are women there that are in their 30s, probably early 40s, that are screaming like crazy for their sons to, you know, go, go, go. And, you know, and they're so loud that my ears ring. And I think, you know what? That's probably what Teresa's talking about, the screaming that just, <laughs> it's, it's sanctioned screaming. They're out there screaming for them, their sons, but they, it could be helpful to them. Talk about that. It's about when you're really frustrated and the cravings are really strong. Mm. And what I suggest that people do is go to the restroom. And wash your face and brush your teeth if you've been eating. And wash your hands to get the smell of that food off your body. And then made a, make a loud noise, scream, or clap your hands mm -hmm. and say, that's it, I'm back on program. So when you come out of the restroom, you're done. You're back to where you belong. Yeah. And you have to draw that line in the sand a hundred times. But you draw the line and you follow it. It's when you fuss about the line and play the little games that you get in trouble. The answer is, no, it's not my food. And when you're there, you're free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, neutrality. And let me go pick up my knitting. Or let me go talk to dear Aunt Tilly, who's sitting there all by herself. Mm -hmm. Or let me take the kids outside for a break from the food and run around a bit. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. whatever so that I can get free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, be free and have neutrality or go scream somewhere, right? <laughs> Cousin Sally, will you put the leftovers in the, the plastic containers and I'll wash the dishes? Mm. Yeah. Once you put soap on the dishes, you're not going to eat them. Right. Not right. with Sister Sally right there. Yeah. You're going to get yeah. them rinsed off and in the dishwasher and you're doing something good. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Well, as we close out here, I've got one more question for you, Teresa. This has been great. Um, what would you say to the still-suffering food addict out there that might be 460 pounds like your client, uh, 250 pounds, or perhaps they're not overweight at all? They're 20 pounds, maybe you know they may need to lose, but they have some compulsive food behaviors. What would you say to that person? Don't give up. Mm. Please find help that agrees with your inner core of wisdom. Keep looking until you find help. Mm. My website is www.sanefood.com. Yep. You yep. can buy a food plan book. You can buy recipe books. And you can buy the abstinence pendulum that tells you how to get clean and sober. And reach out for help from other people. Mm -hmm. If you go to people, to those rooms, ask other people where they go for help. Yeah. There are many gifts of recovery and uh, I stopped looking for that next right diet. You know, the diet's always worked for a while, but I always went back to the food and it wasn't until I had abstinence one day at a time 
you know, in a 12-step program that I was able to live this way. Real recovery, it tastes better than any food you've eaten. That is true. That is true. Teresa Wright, thanks again for joining me today on the Food Addiction Podcast and uh, sanefood.com, Teresa Wright, Renaissance Nutrition Center. So, Teresa, thanks for joining me today. This is the Food Addiction Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned more about this disease. We hope you will rate and write a review on this podcast and share it with others. If you or someone you know is suffering from the disease of food addiction, there is a solution. The various food addiction recovery programs are available and listed on the website, theinfactschool.com. Or if you would like to know more about how to get certified in treating food addiction, the school is accepting applications now for its next training beginning in September 2023. Go to theinfactschool.com. That's I-N-F-A-C-T school.com to learn more.